developed, created, and owned by James Pro Artistry Productions. Welcome to this Perceptive Readers Podcast. Hi, I'm James Lynch. What we learned from a Tuskegee medical experiment. This is the Perceptive Readers. Hi, I'm James Lynch. We're going to cover this subject called the Tuskegee Medical Experiment. It's actually research that has come from CDC.gov. And the reason why I want to talk about this is because over uh, the course of really many years, from time to time, this subject has come up, you see. And I want to talk about it in a following order and why this was so important. Why it's important to know, especially for persons who are in positions of trust, as you know, we talk about quite a bit. So uh, let me start off by saying that uh, it's called the Tuskegee Syphilis Experiment. And I titled it also the ethical contemplation of it. Uh, what we learned from it. Here are some quick facts on the Tuskegee founder 1890 to 1915. Booker Tolliver Washington or Booker T. Washington founded what ended up being the Tuskegee University in Alabama. His experiences in his lifetime, he was an author, educator, advisor to several presidents of the United States. I put a question uh, to you all. The question on Booker T. Washington is this. What is or was Booker T. Washington motive and wish? You see, this is so important in knowing at times what was driving that person to found this university, the things that they did in life. And uh, if you do further research on, on Booker T, uh, you may even say, boy, his heart was in the right place. Just think, though, he was uh, born a slave, you know, yet he ended up rising to the level of the elites, uh, uh, particularly known as the color, the black elites, you see. Now... His focus during that time, though he worked with uh, many different persons of different, uh, you know, complexions, uh, you know how I like to say uh, still that he had focused on the bronze <laughs> or darker complexion of the human society. Yet at that time, what they were called, they were called blacks. You see, they were called colored and they were also called other names that does have a derogatory connotation at that time, even though some people would say, well, this is just that name. Well, he did focus on the bronze or the darker skin uh, complexion of society in a way of uh, economics, you see. Uh, he, he felt that uh, persons, especially after slavery, needed to be economically prosperous and uh, his motive 
he would talk to, again, all sorts of persons who actually had the resources or the materials that he needed because he felt it was important to be sound in what? In your mind, body, heart, and spirit. Those were his principles that he, you know, lived by core principles, uh, if you will. Now, he wouldn't have considered himself to be, you know, striving for political power, even though he ended up actually advising, you know, a couple of presidents. Isn't that interesting? So he had a seat or, or, or a dinner table seat, so, so to speak, at times at certain presidents and had their ears, even though once again, a person's knew he was not trying to uh, run for office or anything of that nature, which some, you know, his contemporaries, other speakers and persons who were trying to raise the uh, 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 the level and the dignity and respect uh, or that awareness for the people who were really striving for such things, such political clout, um, um, so to speak. And so he did butt heads uh, with some of the society at that time because he was more no. I want us to be economically prosperous. Uh, I don't necessarily want to be having, you know, the ruling class or, or what have you. So he just did what was necessary to bring in the materials and the resources. All right. Now, with that background of knowing what his motive was, see, he still ended up, you know, decades later, all uh, you know, once those experiments started in the 30s or 40s or what have you, that uh, decades uh, later, he was a respected man. See, held in high regard. You know, people trusted him, uh, trusted his motive, and so it's good to know all of this because as we go into still the experiment. You could see why uh, some persons were actually just oblivious as to exactly what was going on because Booker T. Washington still, whether he had certain persons who didn't like him or not in the elite area, was known and respected for what his motive and what he was doing, trying to do for the community, for the people. All right. Uh, he had a, a good name for himself uh, to use that expression. Now, at the start of my, you know, uh, conversation on this or dialogue, I had mentioned to you that you may want to go watch the beautiful sound of healing that video uh, slide presentation, if you will, uh, Beautiful Sound of Healing Part 1, uh, made by PopBooks.com. It's a PopBooks.com creation that's on the YouTube channels. You know, it has that uh, a nice uh, red flower, you see, um, sitting in the pond. It's a, a thumbnail for some of you to recognize, and maybe uh, it, if it's uploaded somewhere else, it may not be showing that. Uh, but all the same, it's... The Beautiful Sound of Healing, Part 1. And in it, I read a story from Aesop's fable, you see, about a wise shepherd, a wolf, and his flock. Uh, what happens in that story, the meaning behind it, the moral of the story. And so this was to set the tone 
so that you could be able to see, okay, we talked about Booker T. Washington. What was his motive? What good did he do uh, for a lot of people? And it's to show you the connection that can still happen at times of even though something is good or started off good, that sometimes uh, if the right uh, protections or safeguards are not put into place, it can take what is good and, you know, really, uh, you know, cause some harm to the situation. So I encourage you, Beautiful Sound of Healing, part one, to look at that video. And let me now um, say a few words after you watch that video. It says the Tuskegee Medical Research, or as in some circles call it, experiment, indelibly left a mark on some of our human and nurture um, our human <laughs> and nurturing psyches the importance of keeping a heart of mercy and awareness when in positions of trust you see and indelibly means that hey uh, it's like it's written in ink it's how it just won't leave these these thoughts these things that persons like myself and others have learned as we were growing up that yes as humans, we must continue to, uh, once again, especially nurturers, but in this specific case, we're getting into the importance of keeping a heart of mercy and awareness when in positions of trust. So in these series of podcasts, see that I have something else for you, noted below, you are able to listen to my hypothesis and experience with the importance placed in these honorable positions or occupation. Mothers and fathers are certainly included, though not specifically mentioned in the selected podcast below, which was named Position of Trust, Help in the Sanctuary. And in that podcast, it does go into the relief and comfort we get from the sanctuary, uh, places where persons are in such a frame of mind, the caregivers, that they do give us the time and the recuperation, you know, uh, that help us. And there again, the emphasis where they are like a haven, you see, from the regular things that happens in the world, and I like to always use the expression, the rat race, that they're outside of that as far as the way that they actually deal with us or take care of us. But I encourage you once again to listen to that podcast because it's called Position of Trust, Sanctuary, Beautiful Sound of Healing. So now you see the tone, you, you have the background on position of trust on Booker T. Washington, his motive, uh, what he did, and uh, the name, the respect that when people heard it, uh, especially in that area, uh, why they would certainly feel, you know, comforted and, and protected and safe, you see by any institution or what have you that he would have founded, you see. So Tuskegee quotes uh, an attribution shared on Twitter, one of my social net networks. It says, 
Uh, you can view the postings because I do have the attribution to the CDC.gov, the Tuskegee timeline. But here are some quotes. Quote, in 1932, the Public Health Service, uh, working with the Tuskegee Institute, began a study to record the natural history of syphilis in hopes of justifying treatment programs for blacks. All right. Now, there's another quote as we drop down. It says, what went wrong with it, you see? The panel had nine members from the fields of medicine, law, religion, labor, education, health, administration, and public affairs. We take note of these nine members, uh, see, from these different panels, and keep in mind that they cover every aspect of society, practically, you know, from the education, the public affairs. And you could see that this panel, some of these persons, they just would have been specializing in, okay, how do we get this built? Okay, how do we keep track of the research and then who do we give it to how do we acquire the materials you, you see uh things like that and yet there are other ones who are on that panel that would have you know brought in the spirit or the ethical uh, backbone or higher elevated way of thinking on matters because remember sometimes when you're just trying to get a job or assignment done, okay, uh, it may involve just buying or purchasing, you know, just regular things like that, bringing in resources or what have you. Uh, how are you going to get the resources there? Yet, here's the thing. It may come down to, again, okay, where... Again, where these uh, resources be stored, you see. Uh, is there any type of danger uh, to the community, uh, whether it has this or that? You see what I'm saying? Uh, um, in these jars or, or what have you. But the whole point is you want to be safe, uh, correct? Uh, you want to make sure persons are not harmed uh, by whatever you're doing or how you're transporting certain things, all right? Well, see, this is where you can see the religion, all right? Uh, uh, fields of medicine and things of that nature come in where persons can have an objective, but then you can have these other ones that have an ethical way of thinking, or even in some ethics definitions, it says like, what is the will of God, the grand creator? See, the one who has created humans and have placed dignity upon them. So what would be the ethical treatment still of the humans as we carry out this assignment? You see, how will we be dealing with them, all right? Will we be, once again, um, elevating them or, or, once again, giving them their basic needs, their nurturing needs? Or will what we are doing, uh, will it have some type of harm or side effects to them that we can actually curtail or keep from happening? You, you see? So, 
So once again, positions of trust. They do that because it's like they, whether they raise their hand and take an oath, they certainly take an oath in their hearts and minds that I will do no harm. I will cause no harm. At least, you know, never on purpose, you see. Never on purpose. And so that is the panel. and But yet it's under the heading, what went wrong. They, You may look at it that, hey, on this panel, they had everything that they needed. Persons who could do the research, that, you know, acquire the research, can get the resources, can implement, you know, get the ball rolling. And even had an ethical or, or spiritual, uh, you know, higher viewing of things all on this panel. But something still went wrong. The next quote end up saying, quote, however, there was no evidence that researchers had informed them of the study or its real purpose. In fact, the man had been misled and had not been given all the facts required to provide informed consent. See, unquote. And remember, people who lived around that area uh, there was other information that was shared at times uh, uh, that I won't go into here. But see, once again, persons should have been informed, of course, of exactly what was going on. Because you could, you will actually find out that here it is. Uh, if a person had syphilis or what have you, it's like. In some cases, you, uh, you would read, or a lot of them, uh, answer the question for yourself. Were they given the treatment that would have, once again, cured them of it? Can you imagine all the pain and suffering they went through, never receiving it? All right? And see, and at the very least, certainly, nobody went there would have wanted to actually somehow contracted before they, you know, they went in there or uh, going in there for just a headache or something, wouldn't want to come out, you know, with syphilis or, you know, any other type of uh, disease at that time, so to speak. But all the same, this research, they were not informed of the study of its real purpose. See, persons were also misled. And they were not given facts to, you know, give their formal consent or informed consent, informed consent. So the quote, again, concludes with this. The study ends and reparation begins. The advisory panel concluded that the Tuskegee study was ethically unjustified. And so... One of my comments that I made after, you know, sharing those quotes, I stated my short comment that would be in a term paper. If one's in a position of trust can't reason this out early on, then what hope is there for the people? Thank God there are ones overall who would have never went along complicit or complicity with the below uh, travesty, you see. And then I wrote another heading that says, my indelible conclusion 
As you observed in the last statement that I made, I left all the perceptive readers the crux of the matter in a question. If one's in the position of trust, can't reason this out early on, then what hope is there for the people? When people are blessed with roles or occupations that people are dependent upon you for the highest levels of trust and care, it is of the utmost importance to maintain that level of trust, even if you no longer have the abilities or assignment to maintain such care. For example, in this day and age, a mother or father who loves and nurtures a child does not starve a child because the mother has run out of breast milk, or maybe the child needs specialized care that is available. The pride of the parents would never allow them to neglect the child because of something they are unable to give due to a lack of understanding or knowledge. The same goes for the medical field as well, do you agree? I would also promote the above conclusion for the certified social science decision makers as well. The Tuskegee Medical Research Program during that time turned out to be for some good intentions to gather knowledge for health, which turned into amoral decisions being made and allowed, which produced a travesty in a community of lives. Never may this be so is our resolve for all who wish to nurture and do good in the universe. And so I concluded with that. And in future podcasts, I'll reference this it, uh, particularly because I mentioned at times, you know, through the good book, it says that knowledge puffs up you know, can make a person just feel like they're, they're pretty uh, special, hot stuff, you see. But love builds up, you see. And when Jesus was on the earth, you know, he also dealt with persons who were in positions of trust. And what some people don't realize at times, that in the good book, and you can even see it in the Garden of Eden, that when the grand creator even you know, spoke to Adam and he, he did not give a whole list of rules or anything. He only gave him really one and then he, he gave him an assignment. And, you know, we don't know what they talked about every day when he came in the garden in Eden, uh, you know, in the evening. But see, that even goes to show that Adam and Eve even had all day, all morning to do what they wanted to do, do their assignment and, you know, enjoy themselves or what have you. And then it says that, you know, God would come and talk to them, you know, like a father during the evening or breezy part of the day, you see. Isn't, isn't that wonderful? Well, moving forward to even when, you know, Jesus was on the earth, you, you see, yes, Persons have read and studied all these laws by that time when he was on the earth and all these laws to help keep you from breaking this law and that law or what have you. And even things that, once again, God did not say, but persons in those positions of trust, which were actually the religious leaders at that time, they had put that in there as extra. And yet, what did Jesus ended up saying? He said, you know, 
no, don't, don't, don't do this because when you do it this way, you're actually making what God said here invalid because you threw in all these other stipulations and, and you're saying that you're really uh, putting even a fence around God's own just stated word here, you see. Um, I could go into more details about that, but here's the emphasis that I want to place. You would still see that Jesus ended up doing things even though persons or, or men had made up these other rules and said, oh, that's not good. And Jesus would basically show them it's not good in your eyes, but ethically and morally right, the will of God. It is good in his eyes. And what were those things that Jesus was doing? He was doing things to heal people. It's something he even touched people who were lepers and things of that nature. And he didn't even have to do that to heal them. Now, of course, he was a perfect man. He had his God's spirit all around him. But yet, he did those things at times because he knew the emotional uh, help the emotional uplift that that would give those persons that he was about to heal because even some of those persons hadn't even been touched in years and he did it he didn't even have to you see so there you go uh, but we'll talk more about that but thank you for uh, uh, sharing this with me and I encourage you as always uh if you're pursuing these different nurturing and caregiving type occupations, uh, even whether, you know, beyond being a mother and father, always keep in mind it is honorable to want to help and nurture persons that way in a position of trust. Just make sure you always keep though that thought in mind. Do no harm. Cause no harm. At least not in calculation or on purpose, all right? Okay. This was the Perceptive Readers. You have a wonderful day. Take care. The Perceptive Readers podcast with this bonus feature of the Park Books Update Moment is also on iHeartRadio. Yes, that's iHeartRadio. Be sure to share and subscribe. Have a good day.